there we are. Take two, electric boogaloo. How, um, how have you been since the last time I talked to you? I'm good. I'm hungover today, but I'm good. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, you know. Just being honest. Um, yeah, yeah. Well. How about you? <laughs> you hungover? <laughs> I am doing well. I am on the downward slope of a caffeine high. Ooh, just mm, a mecca fuck ton of <laughs> caffeine this morning. And I was shuffling around the house like a nut job. But now I'm I'm starting to feel the decline. Yes. So I got myself another coffee right here. Oh, I went to Dunkin' earlier to got a brown sugar latte, something like ooh, that. Ooh, girl. Ooh. Mm. And egg bites. Yeah. If anybody goes there to get the egg bites, get the uh the cheddar and the bacon ones. Oh my god, they were good. They were so good. Highly recommend. <laughs> we drove all the way out to the vet's office that is closed closed today. So that was mm-hmm. fun. Oh, useless. Uh, um, anyways, that's about it that we did today. I put away Christmas. Um, bid Ooh. farewell to Christmas. Uh, I've I've got part of mine put up. My tree's still up. My lights, I turned them off, but they're still hanging. So I've got to get that all taken up and put in the attic. But naturally, it'll well, be February. But anyway, <laughs> ah, whatever. Yeah, I've been reading a lot about my altar and um, ritual book out of it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's been very interesting. Uh, reading oh. about all the sabbats and the different altars you can create to the different sabbats, and yeah, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Hmm. Yeah, so we're about to uh, enter the M M bulk M bulk period. Huh. I-M-B-O-L-C. Um, I'm probably saying that completely wrong. I looked it up and all I could see was imbulk. So huh. imbulk. Think of it as um, the vestibule on the way out of the door of winter. You know, you're just, you're, oh. you're walking the long vestibule to the door to spring. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know what? I told you the other day we were supposed to have a blizzard. We didn't get a yeah. fucking blizzard. Yeah, I I didn't get a lot of snow the other night either. So I mean, I've got I a little disappointed. I was too. I I actually that what that's what happened. So I was rep- prepared. I salted my driveway, my steps, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, bring on the ice because that's what happens in Tennessee is ice more than likely. Not not really anything. A little ice, but nothing to be concerned about. And definitely didn't need to uh, put any effort into preparing anything. So, but I did anyway. They thought it was uh, that fucking Jack Frost was just going to take a big old dump on Western New York, but <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. No. Uh, well, it did snow a little bit, but I mean, it was, Meh. you know, I'm halfway between annoyed and excited because uh, I'm like, at the same time, yeah, do I get to go to work and make money? Yes. But yeah. on the other the other side of that coin is, ooh, could I have stayed home and done other work inside my house? Fuck yeah, I could have. Ooh, yeah. that would have been nice. But no, they screwed me. Oh. The weather yeah. gods screwed me. But you know what? We're here today. 
Your room yeah. is very light. Mine is very dark. Yes. Very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Welcome to Freaks of a Feather. I'm Emily Wooten, and this is... Mary Boom. Hi, hello. Hi, hello. Hi, hello. Uh, I was really excited when we decided <laughs> to do this. I get really jazzed about different subjects, and I went and took a, he- a chicken nosedive into the world of spiritualism and... I'm going to handle most of the latter part, the revival of spiritualism, Mm -hmm. but you handled the first part. But to start us off with, I will say that it is interesting that we're doing this in the year 2022 at the very beginning because it is coming up. This is the 100... 100-year anniversary of the Scientific American magazine launching their contest for the truest undeniable medium. Oh, wow. So that was in 1922 to 23-ish area. area. Wow. So what is spiritualism? Ooh, tell me, tell me. I'll tell you. So a spiritualist, so defined by the National Spiritualist Association of 1914, what is one who believes as the basis of his or her religion and the communication between this and the spirit world by means of mediumship and who endeavors to mold his or her character and conduct in accordance with the highest teachings derived from such communication. According to the National Spiritualist Society that was founded in 1893, it's a religion because it strives to understand and comply with the physical, mental, and spiritual laws of nature, which are the laws of God. Some quick vocab, because I can't express properly enough how thick and involved this research is i mean you know mary Mm -hmm. like it's there's a lot of layers there's a lot of yeah anytime you're gonna cover a cultural phenomena yeah and a movement like a a religious revival it is gonna be tomes thick Yeah. yeah so this is just a rudimentary rudimentary touch on it um well not just rudimentary a little deeper but yeah Here's some quick vocab for you all. So a medium is that person which is connected to the borderland or the other world by a natural gift to channel the energies from beyond. Seance, which a seance is a gathering of individuals with a medium in which an attempt to contact the disembodied spirits of the other world are made via whatever method is like ensued by the medium. So Mm -hmm. there's ectoplasm. Ectoplasm is a supernatural viscous substance that is said to exude Mm -hmm. from the body of a medium. (laughs) Oh, Oh, you nasty. You nasty. (laughs) 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 You nasty. It's said to exude from the body of a medium during a trance and is considered a material manifestation of the spirit. The National National Spiritualist Association, now the NSAC for National Spiritualist Association Churches, 
was founded in 1893 during a three-day convention in Chicago, Illinois, for the like-minded spiritualists. Formed to produce a sense of real and respected mediumship that could be tested and approved by its society. So similar to the Society for Cyclical Research that was founded by Oliver Lodge in the UK and the American Society for Cyclical Research, they are similar. They overlap in that they want to earnestly prove or basically materialize a real medium or a real sense of sense of proof in mediumship. They yeah. don't want to deal with hucksters. So it was started by uh, the famous spiritualist Cora L. V. Scott, mm-hmm. Luther V. Moulton, James Martin Peebles, <laughs> <laughs> Harrison D. Barrett, and W.H. Bach. So... Another important vocab, or let's just say movement during this time, Mm -hmm. is the women's suffrage movement. So women's suffrage, in case you don't know, is was the Mm -hmm. decades-long fight to acquire the right to vote for women. And the first national suffrage organizations were established in 1869 by Susan B. Anthony and the competing association by Elizabeth Cady Stanton. So they merged in 1890 as the National American Women's Suffrage Association. Suffragists were activists that promoted the awareness of women's rights and fought to procure the legal right to vote. So many of these suffragettes got arrested for voting, including Susan B. Anthony. And Mm -hmm. a, a fun crossover is that at the same time the abolitionist movement was happening mm-hmm. for the abolishment of slavery. And a lot of suffragettes were abolitionists as well, like Susan B. Anthony. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of black women who contributed to the suffragette movement, like Ellen Watkins Harper. Uh, there could be a whole, I'm, I'm sure it's <laughs> out there, a whole entire podcast just about the suffragette movement. Yeah. But where it overlaps with spiritualism is with Margaret and Catherine Fox, who become like the little darlings, the little uh, celebrities, if you will, of the spiritualist movement. They They were in the same circles that all these suffragettes were in. And themselves could be considered suffragettes. They were independent women making money on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mary. Yeah. (sighs) It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to cover. It's good that people know what we're talking about because not everybody does. So It's good to cover. So, I mean, as you know, necromancy, contacting the dead, that is a centuries old practice this isn't Mm -hmm. anything new it usually Mm -hmm. pops up around uh strife such as war Um, yeah and a medium is a person which is connected to the borderland right Mm -hmm. and historically they've been known to channel and express messages from beyond via the following means now the following that i'm (laughs) going to talk about it's not limited to there are many other ways of divination and (laughs) communication Mm-hmm. you know if you believe yeah so there's clairvoyance which is the faculty of perceiving events or occurrences in the future beyond normal sensory contact 
So basically like prophetic uh, visions, being able to know when something is going to occur in the future. Uh, Claire audience, which is the faculty of perceiving thoughts or intentions as if by hearing um, <laughs> what is inaudible. So, oh God, like reading my mind right now or some right, like publics. Oh, God, a shit. I got a shit. I hope to God nobody can read my fucking mind in public. It'd be a dude. <laughs> like, like, God, all this woman thinks about is sex. Jesus, <laughs> she's she's having a full on bang session in her head twenty four seven. How does she? How does she drive? How is she at work right now? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, she's got um, a beautiful imagination, but my God, switch it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So there's the trance, which is a state of half-consciousness and unresponsiveness to external stimuli. And it's a liminal space, uh, an in-between space, and it's um, usually brought on by hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So then we have levitation, which is the psychical power of causing an object or being to rise and hover in the air. So you mm -hmm. think of light as a feather, stiff as a board. I don't think I ever played that. Hmm. I'm just thinking of the craft. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> then we have raps, which are audible responses from disembodied beings. Typically, they are formed into a system of signifiers, you know, one for yes, two for no, you know, it's controlled by the medium. Like, rap three times if you think I'm sexy. Down, 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 down. Boom, boom, boom. Then we have automatic writing, which is fascinating. And it's a form of divination mm. where the me medium sits in a trance or is distracted and is given a pen and paper and writes involuntarily the messages of the disembodied. Hmm. Yes. So if you think, usually how it starts off is if you have ever done the practice of stream of thought, stream of consciousness writing, where you just write everything that comes to your head mm -hmm. and you just keep writing and writing and then you get distracted and you let your hand keep going. Oh, God. Yeah. I've never actively tried that, but it sounds kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, creepy. Then mediums can also use photography. So capturing disembodied spirits and energies with the use of photographic processes. So some famous photographers around the 1830s, 40s, um, into the 1900s were William Hope and Ava Muntell, hmm. who were disproved uh, by several different sources and then still accepted by others. So take that as you will. There's also the practice of psychometry, which is also called object reading and it's huh. a process where facts or impressions about a person or experience are derived through contact with an object associated with said person or event huh yeah what's mm. this this long oblique rubber toy oh <laughs> to brush my gums with it real fast oh yes 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 go oh. oh, grandma no no <laughs> <laughs> so spiritualism owes its genesis and revival really to raps 
So it all started with the knock, knock, knock. Oh, pop that pussy. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) (laughs) Don't stop, don't miss. Uh, So, (laughs) no, it's dumb, whatever. Uh, (laughs) As a movement in the United States, okay? So it first popped up in the 1840s, okay? In the state of New York, which is now called the Burned Over District. So hmm. I looked this up because I live in Western New York and I've never heard of the Burned Over District, but mm-hmm. I am a newcomer to Western New York. So <laughs> yeah, the Burned Over refers to the amount of religious revivals that popped up in Western New York and hmm. during this time. So it set it on fire, hence burnt, with religious fervor. So some of the religions that sprung up across Western New York, Mormonism in mm. Palmyra, New York, uh, originating in 1828 by Joseph Smith Jr. Um, he is, he allegedly, in the Book of Mormon, this is where he <laughs> got led by the angel Moroni into the woods and dug up the golden plates that held the teachings of Mormonism. Oh, wow. Whatever, if you want to believe it, you know, cool. They um, teach their own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Millerism, which is interesting, um, originated in 1834 in Lowhampton, New York, based around a man named William Miller, who supposedly foresaw the end of days to come on October 22nd, 1844. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> parts of millerism actually are translated into the seventh day adventist church okay Hmm. then you have the shakers so they established their communal farm in central new york in 1826 and a major revival occurred in 1837 so They were originally known as the Shaking Quakers because of their ecstatic behavior during worship services. Usually services, as far as I've heard, they are quiet. And then whenever the spirit takes hold of you, you stand up and you start preaching and talking or saying tongues and like going into convulsions, you know, whatever you need to do. Yeah, that's when I see that. That's when I know I need to leave. (laughs) <laughs> right but at the same time it, it it could also be like the means of celebration was dancing yeah. so that's why they call you know shakers oh, okay um but women took on spiritual leadership roles in the shaker practice and oh, in the nice. quaker practice hmm. so they practiced celibate and communal utopian lifestyle and they held equality close to their breast for both sexes so wow uh, they're actually pretty cool susan b anthony was actually raised a shaker um spirit and then of course we have other movements right we have the political movements the suffragette movement and the abolitionist movement with frederick douglas um, the Oneida Institute, um, which was the first college in the U.S. to accept black students and women and employ black, black professors. So there's all of this shit going on. 
mm-hmm. in Western New York. And so with all of the spiritual, with all of the um, religions and everything, it it's just a hotbed of activity. So yeah. of course, then you have spiritualism. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It pops up and it really takes hold after the disaster of the civil war in the United States. But before that, even so, it was very common to have private seances to seek out, you know, a deceased loved one. And it was commonplace for mediums to market themselves. And today, Mary is going to tell us about two of the most famous. Actually, they were the first mediums to perform into a public audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So two girls in Western New York were the pioneers of spiritualism. Just in Hydesville, New York, close to Rochester and everything, in the winter of 1847 into 1848, 15-year-old Maggie Fox and her little sister, Katie, just 11 and a half, brought on the entire movement of spiritualism. So it all began um, during the day on in March of 1848. Maggie Fox uh, and Kate, her sister, waylaid a neighbor, and they're really eager to share some odd and frightening phenomenon. So every night around bedtime, they're like, they would hear these raps on the walls and on the furniture. And the raps would seem to manifest with this peculiar, peculiar, uh, otherworldly intelligence. So the neighbor was kind of skeptical, but they still came by to see what was up. So they kind of joined uh, both girls in a room that they shared with their parents. It's just one room where they all slept pretty much. Mm-hmm. And they started to demonstrate these raps that they've heard. So they say, now count to five, she ordered. And the room shook with the sound of five heavy thuds. Count 15, she demanded. And the mysterious presence obeyed. Next, she asked it to tell the neighbor's age. 33 distinct raps followed. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) And it said, if you're an injured spirit, she continued, manifest it by three raps. And it did. Hmm. So obviously, Katie and Maggie's parents were kind of weirded out. They're like, okay, this is strange because we've also heard rumors that our house actually had somebody die in it or murdered Mm -hmm. maybe under mysterious circumstances. So of course, um, Mrs. Fox originally maybe more superstitious, you know, anyway, um, was immediately like, Oh, the house is haunted. I knew it. (laughs) I knew it. But her husband wasn't buying it. He was, you know, more realistic about this. He's like, no, there's, there's just weird sounds. Something's afoot. It's, it's just a bunch of BS. It's a coincidence, whatever. It's the wind. Well, Everybody kind of started talking about it in the town, neighbors, Mm -hmm. townsfolk, and they all started to show up. And one evening in the Fox's bedroom, there was an absolute crowd of people and they all stood awestruck and the candlelight as the cracking sounds echoed around them. Now, there was a neighbor um, named William Dusler. And he kind of spoke out loud, asking questions to receive, you know, replies Mm -hmm. via knocks and raps. And slowly, um, it emerged that this disembodied spirit had an earthly identity 
So he brought about this spirit that supposedly was a 31-year-old peddler who had been murdered for the sum of $500 and buried beneath the fox's house by a previous tenant. Furthering hmm. their suspicion, right? So Oddly specific, yeah. Oddly specific. Hmm. And at the time, nobody really had any idea about a victim or anybody that might have died, I guess. There was some rumors going around. But they just kind of started to ask more questions. And even though the Fox's adult son, David, had hit upon the idea of running through the letters of the alphabet to allow the spirits to spell out words, nobody seems to have asked the spirit to give its name. Now, as the weeks went on, locals began to recall that, oh, you know, now that I think about it, there was this young salesman coming around and he did, in, in fact, pass, you know, through that area around mm. that time um, and exactly mm. when they couldn't quite recall. But they're like, yeah, yeah, that that rings a bell. So others mm. would later swear that uh, David digging beneath the house one summer had discovered bones and a set of human teeth. So the story develops mm. over time. We'll get into the whole haunting at the Fox home, but. So, yeah, and so they come to, they are moved by their uh, parents. They try to separate them, right? And so yeah, they send so, them to Rochester, New York. Yeah, so her mom, their mom got kind of freaked out and sent them out of the Fox home, hoping that leaving the house, all of this spiritual activity and strange phenomenon would not follow them. And unfortunately, that was not the case. So... They went to go live with their older sister, Leah Fox Fish in Rochester. Fox and Fish. Fox Fish. <laughs> I, I read know, that right? and I was like, oh, that poor, poor woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not the, but you know what? I don't feel bad for her because she's kind of a, we'll find out, but. Yeah, she's kind of a shit bird. Yeah. Yeah. So that the story might have died there were it not for the fact that Rochester was a hotbed of reform, like you said, for religious activity. And during this time, it was just. Another mm -hmm. religion and another um, something else for people to believe in. So, of course, Leah starts to think, OK, let's maybe start something up with this. We could make some money with their abilities. Right. So once yeah. Leah kind of realized what was going on, she started booking seances left and right, state to state. And before you knew it, spiritualism blew up. Yeah, and you know they're they were good friends with uh, Amy and Isaac Post, who were Quakers again. Um, and at that time, uh, they were known as radicals in the women's suffrage um, movement. At the time, Quakers were not foreign to cir the circles of spiritualists, and often both faiths intersected. And Isaac himself, don't know if you know this started to channel his own mediumship through automatic writing and even wrote a book that was published in 1852. Wow. Couldn't find the name of it, but he wrote a book. And among the messengers in his book were the deceased public figures of Voltaire and George Washington. Oh, Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so knowing how entrenched the posts were in spiritualism, um, it's not surprising that they took a shine to Maggie and Kate yeah. and helped them get on the circuit to performance. And in 1848, uh, November 14th, they performed their first public seance at Corinthian Hall in Rochester. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, which is a big deal for two very young girls at the time and mm-hmm. this new thing called spiritualism. Everybody wanted to know about it because they were fascinated. Like, oh, they came from a haunted house, but these spirits keep following them and they like to answer our questions. So, <laughs> yeah. And it's usually, it was mundane shit that they would answer about like the stock market and like, <laughs> oh, you know, how much money am I going to make in the coming year? Tap one for a lot and two for more. Nothing. <laughs> just, just nothing. Absolutely nothing. Just dead silence. <laughs> Hear a oh, gunshot okay. outside after the <laughs> after the <laughs> the performance. So yeah, the girls are you know they're holding these professional tours uh, to spread the word of the spirits, and they're booking suites fittingly at Barnum's Hotel on the corner of Broadway and Maiden Lane. Uh, it was an establishment owned by a cousin of the famed showman. So you of course mentioned you know. The Scientific American, you know, they they didn't really like they wanted actual proof that this is real. Right. So they kind of looked at things like, I don't know, I don't really believe in it. But then at the same time, they couldn't really prove otherwise. So Mm -hmm. they kind of they checked out the girls. They tried to figure out, okay, where are these knocking sounds coming from? Where are these rapping songs sounds coming from? And they really couldn't find an answer or anything that they could use to disprove their legitimacy. So as the years go by, they're going to all these shows. Um, they're getting a um, dollar per admission and visitors like a dollar per seance. They're making good money. And mm-hmm. Leah, their sister, who is, uh, I don't know if she was uh, widowed or divorced, but she, you know, had children. She was a single mother and I assume she needed the money. And she Mm -hmm. truly exploited her sisters. But at that point, you know, it was kind of a good thing for them. Because like you said, with the women's Mm -hmm. suffrage movement, it really changed things for women in general and gave them different options. And when they were doing seances, all of a sudden, so-and-so down the street is doing it. And then Mm -hmm. people across the world are interested in it. Generally, Leah, the older sister, would stay in New York and she would entertain callers in a seance room, while Kate and Maggie would take to other cities. And among them, it was Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, uh, St. Louis, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, so on and so forth. Until eventually they had this one visitor named Explore Alicia Kent Kane. Elijah? Yeah. Alicia? But I like I like I like your Alicia? pronunciation better. Alicia, <laughs> Alicia, <laughs> Alicia, Alicia, Alicia Kent Kane. Oh, but <laughs> anyway, Kent's but Ken. so this guy was very into Maggie. He kind of fell for her, even though he was like, I don't believe her whole gig. I think she's a fraud. But he couldn't really <laughs> prove it or understand where the sounds are coming from. He's like, ah, I'll hit it, whatever. But I guess they <laughs> fell in love. And after a whole month's trial, um, he could make nothing of the sounds. So he pretty much, he tried to figure out what was going on, couldn't. So things move on. And he courted Maggie, who was 13 years younger than him, and encouraged her to give up mm. her, quote unquote, life of a dreary sameness and suspected deceit. 
What an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Elijah K- Kent can. Yeah. So she did. She pretty much retired her gig um, to attend for her husband. Hmm. Um, they eventually got married. Um, and shortly after they got married, he passes away in 1857. And to honor his memory, she converted to Catholicism as Cain, a Presbyterian, had always encouraged of her. So she was a good girl and listened to what her husband told her. And <laughs> yeah, even in death, right? He seemed to think that uh, the faith's ornate and iconography, 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 yeah, (laughs) and sense of mystery would appeal to her. So in her mourning, she's pretty upset. You know, they just got married. He passes away after he dies. She starts drinking a lot and she did vow and keep her promise to Cain to wholly and forever abandon spiritualism. Well, this is kind of problematic, right? Because her and her sisters are a team. It's not good if they lose somebody in on this game, right? So Kate, yeah. um, her sister, meanwhile, married this devout spirit- spiritualist himself. And they continued uh, to develop their medium powers, uh, translating spirit messages in astonishing and unprecedented ways. Uh, communicating messages simultaneously, writing one while speaking the other, transcribing messages, et cetera, et cetera. So during these sessions, a wealthy banker named Charles Livermore, she summoned both the man's deceased wife and the ghost of Benjamin Franklin. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, all and these famous announced. people just hanging around, just ready yeah, to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And her business boomed during and after the Civil War as increasing numbers of the bereaved found solace and spiritualism. And prominent spiritualist Emma Hardinge wrote that the war added 2 million new believers to the movement. Yep. And by the 1880s, there was an estimated 8 million spiritualists in the U.S. and Europe. That's that's a lot. And the new practitioners uh, seduced by the flamboyance of the Gilded Age expected miracles like Kate's summoning summoning of full-fledged apparitions at every seance. Ah, But it was wearing both to the movement and to Kate herself. And she, too, began to drink. So both sisters, are, yeah. they're they're hitting the bottle. They're they're turning to the alcohol to to cope with the pressures. Um, one cracked and one's just like hanging on by a thread, man. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh no! Yeah. So I mean, to be fair, if it was you know, given devil's advocate, given if it was real. And you got dead people fucking talking to you all the time. Yeah, I drink too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. So I don't. Mm-mm. Like I said, one of the sisters cracked. They're both. They're both getting sauced on the daily, right? So October twenty first of eighteen eighty eight rolls around, and the New York World published an interview with Maggie Fox in anticipation of her appearance that evening at the New York Academy of Music. There is where she would publicly denounce spiritualism once and for all. And she was paid $1,500 for that exclusive with them. So her main motivation, however, was her rage at her sister and other leading spiritualists. 
Um, they publicly chastised Kate for her drinking. So both sisters are drinking. And Kate was also accused of not being able to take care of her two younger children. So this is pretty much how she begins to admit that maybe she wasn't being honest about spiritualism and speaking to the dead. So she begins, my sister Katie and myself were very young children when this horrible deception began, Maggie said. At night, when we went to bed, we used to tie an apple on a string to move the string up and down, causing the apple to bump on the floor. Or we would drop the apple on the floor, making a strange noise every time it would rebound. So the sisters graduated from using an apple to manipulate, to manipulating their knuckles and joints and toes to make these rapping sounds and these knocks. So they would crack their knuckles under their heavy dresses and nobody, you know, when they would inspect mm-hmm. under their dresses, they didn't see anything except for, you know, their toes, their outfit, nothing suspicious that would make somebody think, eh, they're, they're, they're full shit. So, and a great many people, when they would hear the rapping image, Mm-hmm. They, they, when they would hear the rapping, imagine at once that the spirits are touching them. She explained, it is very, it's a very common delusion. Some very wealthy people came to see me. And some years ago when I lived in 42nd street and I did some rappings for them, I made the spirit rap on the chair. And one of the ladies cried out, I feel the spirit tapping me on the shoulder. Of course, that was pure imagination. So she is just spilling beans and it's not going to end well. Right. So Mm. she went on further to offer an actual demonstration of how she cracks her knuckles and she removed her shoe and placed her right foot upon a wooden stool. The room fell silent and still, and she was rewarded with a number of short little raps. There stood a black robed, sharp faced widow. The New York Herald reported working her big toe and solemnly declaring that it was in this way that she created the excitement that has driven so many persons to suicide or insanity. One moment it was ludicrous, the next it was weird. And Maggie insisted that her sister Leah knew that the wrappings were fake all along and greedily exploited her younger sisters. Before exiting the stage, she thanked God that she was able to expose spiritualism. So, right. I yes. know, I know though, that earlier and early on in their career, the cracking of the joints theory, right? Like E.P. Longworthy, okay, a physician investigated them in 1850 when they were just starting out. And he was like, immediately, he was like, oh, it's coming from their feet because you can hear it. It's coming from the region of their feet. Yeah. And then writer John A. W. H. W. Hearn, who published articles for the New York Tribune also investigated them and was like, Mm -hmm. same thing. And then three um, investigators from the University of Buffalo did the same thing. They're like, yeah, they're making the noises under their dresses. So, I mean, it wasn't like this hadn't been rumored about for years. Like, oh, they're just cracking their knuckles, you know? Yeah. So, like, of course, so when this came out, um, the press uh, called the incident, a, I quote, a death blow to the movement, spiritualist. Uh, they quickly took sides. So there's people that wanted to keep doing it, obviously, because there are people that picked up this idea and they're like, OK, I'll talk to ghosts, too, because you're making some money. 
you know? And there's also people who really believed in it yeah. and still do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so. And some people think that she, like, later she recanted, didn't she? Mm-hmm. I think it was the influence of her her late husband and everything yeah. that really kind of changed her opinion about stuff. But mm-hmm. she later was like trying to say, oh, uh, that her spirit guides had beseeched her to do so. And it was just, you know, oh, just kidding. She said all that. It's just kidding. Even though it totally made sense. They're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry 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 because probably like right after she said it she realized she really fucked over kate big time oh yeah like, fa- majorly Kate's fucked majorly yeah. um yeah. and they you know they didn't really financially recover you know they went from making really really comfortable money um in fact you know living a life of opulence if you will and mm-hmm. you know in the end she never reconciled with her sister lee at all And she eventually died in 1890. And then Kate uh, herself died two years later while on a drinking spree. Mm. So really drunk, drank herself to death, essentially. And Maggie passed away eight months after that in March of 1893. And that year, spiritualists formed the natural the National Spiritualist Association, which Mm -hmm. is known today as the Natural Spiritualist. The Spiritualist Association of Churches. So, yep, that is the Fox Sisters. Um, it was mm-hmm. uh, all a fraud, all lie. But this is something you know. I'm not trying to say it's not true, or I'm not trying to say anything. My opinion, it's just whatever. It's just an opinion, right? But it it could be real, and there's people that have practiced it across the world, and they just didn't have a name for it, and they had their own right. ways of practicing it. But very and interesting. It's, it's something that pops up over and over again, and like incidents like the Fox Sisters, right, would spurn a lesion of debunkers mm-hmm. and most notably magicians and illusionists who would make it mm-hmm. their purpose to to expose false mediums and. Next week, we're going to go over the revival of spiritualism that was spirited by Sir Oliver Lodge and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes, he of Sherlock Holmes fame and the <laughs> catastrophe, catastrophe of World War One. So you're in the 1920s, Mary, we're going to see an outright race to procure the most notable and truest medium so as to put a final end to the question of spiritualism. Is there life after death? And such a formidable contest. It was thorough and it was subjugated by the scientific American magazine of New York city. And that's where we'll pick it back up next week. And yeah, there you mentioned like the, the suicides and the murders and stuff. And that is the dark side of spiritualism Mm -hmm. that I read about is that um, there were people who, because they believed wholeheartedly, oh, you can just talk to whoever's dead. Well, it's going to be better on the other side. I'll just kill myself and my children. I read so many Jeez. stories about that exact that exact occurrence, like mothers or fathers killing their children, killing themselves, Fuck. so that they can be with the other parent or be with their their siblings or whatever on the other side. Like really dark shit. Um, yeah. 
I can't imagine. Like, I'm glad that she got that off her shoulder. I, I still feel like her husband had a lot to do with her, like coming out about it. But that would have to be a tremendous amount of stress and guilt on your shoulders, having to keep up a lie for that long. And then knowing what the consequences are about a silly trick you played on your mom when you were little blew up like that. <laughs> right. And it probably started off as them making fun of like spiritualist seances. Yeah. And being like, oh, mom believes in that shit. Let's, let's fuck with her. <laughs> but next week we'll, we'll get into it. But Sometimes there are mediums where it's not as easily explained. Yes, I'm definitely interested in this. <laughs> and there are occurrences which, like the old adage, no smoke without fire, right? Like, why are so many people convinced you can talk to the other side? Is because there have been things that have happened that seem or are unexplainable. Mm -hmm. Next week, we'll talk about an instance in which a gentleman is chased down the stairs by a table. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, you know. Ooh, uh, stay tuned, folks. Next week. <laughs> next week. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yes. Yeah, see you then. All Bye. Right. Bye. Bye.